Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the EFT Healing Center Podcast. Tap into your fullest potential. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton, along with the founder of the EFT Healing Center, Annabelle Fisher. Hey, Annabelle, how are you doing today? Hi, Scott. I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. And I want to tell you a story of... uh, Because before we came on the air, we were talking about hot yoga, which is something I like doing, and I notice that when I do it, I tend to move towards my ideal goal weight uh, a lot better than when I don't do it. And about, I've been doing it for about two years, and about a year ago, um, I was really starting to see uh, a difference. And uh, one of one of the differences that I saw was that I thought, gee, you know, I can almost see the six-pack abs, which I have never seen, like from 14 years to now, which is well over 40 years, I've never even been close to seeing that, right? And and I'm, I'm looking and I'm going, wow, like if I keep this up for another few months, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have some abs showing. So guess what I did? What? I stopped going to hot yoga. And ah. I stopped eating the good foods that I was eating and uh, those big, massive bakery chocolate chip cookies that they have that are so tempting in the grocery stores. started having a few of those. And uh, before you knew it, I was in no danger of seeing those washboard apps. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine in the fitness industry says, oh, a good example of self-sabotage going on there, Scott. How interesting. How interesting, right? And it occurred to me as I was thinking about EFT that I've had some really good experiences. And I'm watching for getting to a certain point with it and then stopping or changing or not tapping on that issue anymore or whatever it may be so that I go back to the way I was. Yes, or in fact, stay where you are without moving at all. Or stay where I am without moving at all, yeah. And I thought that would be a really good topic for today's show because uh, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's run into self-sabotaging activities. Absolutely, and how fascinating, Scott, that your and my discussion about hot yoga would lead to psychological reversal and self-sabotage. I love the way our conversations unfold. Little did I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I just thought about it after we had discussed it. I was like, oh, yeah, like there's an example of self-sabotage. I mean, it's, uh, it's not that I'm, you know, obese or anything like that, but uh, I've always had this little uh, couple inches of flab around my stomach, no matter how fast I was running, you know, because I was running a six-minute mile when I was younger and everything else. It was just always kind of there. And it was quite an experience to be looking in the mirror and saying, you know what? I think I'm seeing, like, abs. Yes. <laughs> and I never thought about it for you know, a long time afterwards, like, because I, I was living my life, I was doing this, doing that, and blah, 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 and then, you know, there's, and I'm not even thinking that I'm looking in and not seeing my abs or seeing my abs or anything, and then I got, and then I thought, no, no, i got to get back into hot yoga, and then I realized, like, huh, I'm back where, kind of where I was when I started, and so, so I think, 
looking back now then, Scott, now, now you have a different perspective and uh, you're back into hot yoga, what do you imagine was going on in your mind, in the subconscious, as you looked in the mirror and you, started, and you saw the, the six-pack starting to form? What was going on mentally there? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. I would say that uh, I'm getting what I want, maybe, mm. and uh, I may, and I don't really deserve it. Those are the things that kind of came up first. Sure, I think they're perfect, and possibly even things are changing. Uh, maybe they're changing too quickly. Yeah. Uh, this makes me feel unsafe. Uh, so even though you, as you said, I'm getting what I want, you really wanted that. Was, that was the whole point, well, one of the reasons for doing hot yoga. In actual fact, when it started to manifest and you could see your body shape changing, then the fear set in. Yes, absolutely. It was like, oh. Yes, yikes. What am I going to do if I'm on the, you know, the beach and showing off my abs and I've got 15 women coming after me because <laughs> I happen to have this girlfriend that I love, right? So better to hide behind the the fat <laughs> I think this is a huge part um, uh, of EFT um, self-sabotage or psychological reversal as it's also known um, is one of the major reasons that EFT does not work um, it has formed uh, the essence of uh, the first book that I wrote uh, it comes up in all the teleclasses that I hold and it comes up pretty much every single session I work uh, with a client uh, because uh, it shows that there's a bigger part of us that wants to stay where we are rather than to move forward mm -hmm. um, and the subconscious uh, is the, the main player in this and the role of the subconscious is to keep us safe um, and keeping us safe means staying where we are because where we are is familiar and it's normal uh, we, we know it, we experience it every day, it's a safety net. So why on earth, in, in the opinion of the subconscious, would we step over there and accomplish what we wanted, be it uh, a six-pack or quitting smoking or recovering from a serious illness or leaving a relationship that was unhealthy or whatever it was? Why would we go over there and experience that? when we could stay here, which at least is known and familiar. And uh, we think it's safe because it's known and familiar. Exactly, because we experience it every day. Um, and so it is, as I say, that safety net that protects us. Uh, so the subconscious, in, in your case, uh, kicked in and you thought, oh, I'm getting what I want and maybe this doesn't feel as good as I thought it did. Um, and so self-sabotage or psychological reversal uh, plays a huge part in deterring us or impeding us from actually getting what we want. Um, we, can, we can talk about what we want and have uh, clear ideas or even vague ideas of what it is that we want. However, if psychological reversal is uh, in force, then we will not accomplish what we want. And the, the insidious part about all of this is the only way I knew about what was going on was watching my actions. Because in my mind, it's, yeah, no, I want to get fit. I like the way that I'm going. You know, my... The, the lady in my life loves the way that it's going. You know, she's supporting me. I'm, uh, you know, telling me how good I look. And, and I've got all this positive stuff coming on. So in my conscious mind, it's like, yeah, yeah, let's keep going. And then my, but my un 
conscious, subconscious, as you were saying, was just very subtly just kind of moved the focus a little bit and that kind of fell off the off the radar and the next thing you know two or three months go by and I haven't done hot yoga and I've been eating poorly compared to the way I did before and um, and I'm back kind of where I started from exactly and I think uh, weight weight loss again it reaching our goal weight is a is a great example of how psychological reversal comes into play and the power of the subconscious because logically anybody who who believes that they are not their goal weight uh, most most of the time on a conscious level wants to lose weight they want to be at their goal weight however there can be many many reasons to stay where they are namely overweight uh, and there are secondary gains to be had from being Mm -hmm. in that place Um, So when I work with clients who want to reach their goal weight, often I ask them about uh, what was it like the last time you were at your goal weight? Um, And they'll come up with some very interesting and sometimes surprising answers like, well, I got a lot of attention and that that frightened me. Um, Mm. I I got a lot of attention, say it's a woman, I got a lot of attention from groups of men uh, that threatened me. Uh, another uh, reason I often hear is um, I had to buy a whole new wardrobe and that, that of course was a financial burden Right. Um, or people started expecting something of me so I, I became closer to my goal weight and people believed I could do such and such or I could accomplish such and such with, with ease so I felt a pressure I felt a lot of expectations upon me uh, or people treated me differently. Um, they they began to disrespect me, or they began to respect me more. Whatever was going on, and that mm-hmm. felt unsafe and uncomfortable. So there can be numerous reasons why it's very unsafe to ch- make that change. And, and it can be not. Uh, I was going to say too that they're not always intuitive. Like you, say, well, of course we want to be more successful. We want to be more respected. We want to be healthier. And so the fact that we're doing activities that are against that, you, you know, is kind of a counterintuitive thing. But I, you reminded me of a friend of mine who is very overweight, and and she said, "Well, when I'm this way, nobody notices me." Yes, that's right. I hear that a lot, Scott. So if I were to lose weight, I would be noticed. Uh, so therefore, with EFT, we peel away the layers a bit more. Okay, well, what happened the last time you were noticed? Oh, well, and and they might talk about an uncomfortable or stressful situation that they were in. Um, So on a subconscious level, uh, they think, okay, if I lose that weight and I'm noticed again, then X, Y, and Z could easily happen to me. So why on earth would I put myself through that? I'd rather stay where I am. And, and I can't emphasize enough, of course, all this is happening on a subconscious level um, because uh, I specialize in working with uh, people who have chronic, uh, chronic illness or are in chronic pain. Um, and uh, psychological reversal, self-sabotage, is a huge part of the work that I do because it's very clear to me through my own illness and my own recovery and the hundreds of people that I've worked with who, um, who have a, a chronic illness that there, there are most usually more secondary gains, more benefits to be had from staying where we are, and in this case, unwell, sick, mm-hmm. possibly housebound. 
um, some of the uh, most usual um, comments that I'm given um, about uh, what, what could happen if you were to recover, uh, where, where would you be, what would you be doing, um, are similar in some respects to the weight loss answers. Uh, I would have a lot of expectations put upon me. So a lot of things that I'm often told is if I were to recover, I would need to return to full-time employment. Uh, I would need mm. to uh, drive my children to school every morning and pick them up in the afternoon, um, and I don't, uh, I don't want to do that. Uh, I want to stay in bed, or that, that's too much pressure on me. Or I would be expected to look after the grandchildren at the weekend, uh, or, or any number of things. I would be expected to go on family holidays, uh, you name it. Uh, I, I would be expected to move. Well, we were planning on moving, and then I got sick, so we stayed where we were. Um, and so I'd be expected to move if I were well. So there could be any number of reasons as to why it's safer to stay uh, uh, where, where we are if we're sick. Uh, there can be pressures put upon us when we recover. Uh, another common thread that I hear when people are very sick is if I recover, there will be no time for me. Mm. So, uh, and I find that fascinating. So what illness has offered is downtime, time for research, time for personal growth, personal development, just some time out for me. And uh, the, the, the common uh, comment that I hear is if I were to recover, I would have to go back to uh, running around supporting everybody else, looking after their needs, pleasing them, and once again I would come second. Right. Isn't that interesting that people would rather not work on establishing good, strong boundaries uh, and, and, and be sick on oh, a yes. subconscious level, I guess, right? Yes, you're absolutely right, Scott. That it, the, the threat of setting a boundary and saying no is uh, way, way stronger than the desire to recover. Uh, uh, sorry, way more threatening. Um, and, then, and stronger, therefore, than the desire to recover. Uh, because in actual fact, illness uh, can be a great boundary setter. It gives us a guilt-free way to say no. Right. Uh, and I know in, when I was very ill, um, one of uh, the things that I realized was I could say, no, I'm not able to go out, or no, I'm not able to do that, and I didn't need to give a reason because uh, everybody knew I was very sick um, mm -hmm. and it would just take too much out of me to, to consider doing it anyway. So all I had to say was, no, um, I don't think so, thanks. And I didn't even need to give a reason because everybody knew I was ill. Um, and so I didn't feel guilt, guilty. Whereas if I were well and said no, perhaps I might have felt guilty. Well, I think most of us do feel guilty whenever we say no. Right, I know I feel that way, and and then life comes, you know, it gets pretty hard when I've overcommitted and and uh, I can't do everything that I said that I was going to do. Yes, exactly. Um, whereas uh, if somebody is ill, um, then they don't. Uh, it, it's okay not to make that commitment. N nobody expects them to anyway. Um, so, uh, once again, uh, this is a, a, um, a benefit, perhaps, on a subconscious level, to remaining sick. Right. So, we have these choices in our lives, and if we decide not to, uh, not to make them, which is like create a strong boundary, I'm going to have time for me, then uh, 
our body just says, well, our subconscious says, well, you know, we need time for me, and so I'm just going to make it and acts like maybe a petulant little kid and you know holds their breath till they turn blue, and of course then we get uh, some illness or something that causes us to not be able to do uh, what everyone wanted us to do, and maybe we even wanted to do, yes, but lets us do what we actually really want to do. And we really need to do as well. Mm, because, right, for, for example, um, in my case, I, w- I believe I was burned out and I, I had had such a stressful few, few years in my personal life and my work life uh, uh, that I, I hadn't ever allowed myself any rest time. Um, so my body was craving some time out uh, and some rest uh, and was obviously exhausted. So because I didn't listen... Uh, then it said, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll make a decision for you. And then I was very sick, and then I didn't have to continue doing all these stressful events. Right, right. So I think, uh, I was going to say, I think uh, I, I, I want to make it clear that this is very much on a subconscious level. Because as I say to my clients when I start working with them, nobody consciously, or perhaps I could say very few people, uh, want to be ill. Uh, Everybody consciously, logically knows that they want to be well. Um, However, with self-sabotage coming into play and psychological reversal, uh, that's not always the way things play out. That's right, and I think that's a really important thing. Is that the fact is that we can, we, I think one of the problems a lot of people have is we have this subconscious, which is basically 90 to 90 percent of all of our decisions. Right? I mean, I'm sitting here, my heart is pumping. I'm not thinking heart pump, yes. heart pump, <laughs> heart pump. Right? So the subconscious has a real important role because somebody's got to tell my heart to beat and breathe and do all the things. I mean, if I had to think about how to pick up a pen, I probably would never be able to pick up the pen. So the subconscious has a really important role. And the problem is, I think, is our conscious mind discounts the power of our subconscious, and then things happen, and it's kind of like, well, why do all these things keep happening to me? Well, we're not in alignment with our subconscious, and that could be what we really want to do, as opposed to what we say we want to do. Yes, exactly. And now we've got a conflict going on and uh, that we don't necessarily have to have. We just need to understand what we really want and acknowledge that. Yes, and this is where EFT comes in and works so beautifully uh, with self-sabotage because we can focus on what we consciously want and then through asking specific questions and being what I call the creative detective, we can get to the bottom of why the person isn't getting what they want. So they're not able to leave the job that they feel so unhappy in or they're not able to uh, end a relationship or they're not able to make the money that they know they deserve to make or whatever's going on. Uh, With EFT, we can start asking questions and then tap on all the resistance to change that comes up. So, for example, uh, well, if if I did get a pay rise from my boss, then he would expect more of me or um, I would be expected to uh, work longer hours, uh, or people in my community would expect more of me because I'd be uh, earning a higher salary. 
One of the reasons that people who sometimes give me, who are chronically ill, uh, is if they were to recover and be well, then they would no longer receive their benefits from the mm. government. Uh, so that, that uh, guaranteed payment wouldn't come in every week or every month, whatever it is. Uh, so if they were well, that would mean uh, not only would they be financially insecure, that, that regular stream of income wouldn't come in, but then they'd have to look for work to, to get some income. Uh, so uh, as appealing as wellness is, there are many reasons uh, for us uh, not to be well uh, that hold us back from recovery. Cool. Well, I think that's really important that uh, we do. You know, we recognize that we may self-sabotage what it is we really want, and that we need to be on the lookout for that and and do something about it. Yes, um, and I think so long as we have an awareness that it's possible to self-sabotage, uh, that, that's that's I think all we need because with EFT we have a tool that will override that self-sabotage because healing won't take place um, if somebody is self-sabotaging if psychological reversal is present however with EFT we override that automatically with the language that we use uh, so people don't need to worry and think, oh my goodness, there's no hope if I'm self-sabotaging. Um, I think an awareness of what could possibly be holding us back and then to use EFT um, is going to balance it out and will shift that fear of change uh, and will loosen up the subconscious hold on keeping us stuck where we are. Uh, the language that we use in EFT is very important uh, and I, it's my belief that uh, it, it's crucial when we tap to use language that enables the subconscious to feel safe because when the subconscious feels safe, it will let go of its resistance to change and then we really can move forward. Right, and that's really, really important and I think that's kind of the good news of today's show is uh, we have behaviors that we do on an ongoing basis that get us results we don't want and it doesn't have to, you know, we don't have to go through like 10 years of psychoelectric shock therapy to <laughs> straighten ourselves out. Uh, we've got a really gentle process in EFT that will help a lot in those areas. Yes, and EFT is so gentle. Uh, I mean, it's known as one of the most gentle techniques. Uh, so it's easy to apply and uh, we can be very kind to ourselves as we use it. And the 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 purpose of the language that we use plus the tapping um, which you and I are going to talk about in the next podcast really enables us to have this shift in our perspective so that we can change what we're thinking and feeling and really feel safe enough to move forward um, and break out of that uh, safety net of staying w with what's familiar and normal. That's really exciting and I can't wait to, for next week's show to start uh, learning more about tapping. Yes, well I'm sure people are very excited Scott because we really want to get on and talk about how to tap and what to say when we tap so people can start actually implementing EFT on some of their concerns. So I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. So Annabelle, if somebody wants to know more about EFT, uh, where could they go or what could they do? Sure. Well, uh, my website address is www.theeftheealingcenter.com. 
And uh, on my website, I've got a number of uh, free resources, some audios to listen to and tap along to, uh, some articles to read, and most of those have tapping transcripts, so it shows you where to tap and what to say about particular problems and concerns. Um, and also, of course, I have a, a newsletter that goes out regularly, and also I'd like to offer a mini session, which is a 30-minute complimentary telephone session uh, if people need to know more about EFT and they wonder how it could help them, uh, then they're more than welcome to ask for uh, that little mini session, and we can do some tapping over the phone. Wonderful. That sounds, uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good site. It's got a lot of resources, so feel free to go there. Great. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us, and thank you, Annabelle, for taking time out of your busy day. I know you just had a number of clients, and you squeezed our recording time uh, between them. Uh, everyone, you've been listening to the EFT Healing Center podcast. Tap into your fullest potential, and we'll see you next week.